This is the Jamal Show. Down in. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Starbucks always makes it too hot. You know what I'm saying? When you get coffee from Starbucks. Good morning. Good morning. Maybe it's not a good morning for you. I can definitely relate with that. I have not been having good mornings myself recently. And I usually do have good mornings, but my recent bad luck started a couple weeks ago when my car was stolen. From right in front <laughs> That's right, you did. From right in front of my residence. My bad for buying a Kia. And I wish I could say it was my first time with the stolen car experience, but it wasn't. I also wish I could say that the Hartford police were really helpful, but they weren't. In fact, I felt as if I had to conduct my own investigation. But I do want to send a shout out to the New York State Police, who I found to be very helpful. It was the New York State Police who found my car and chased the people who stole it. It was the New York State Police who came up with the bright idea, the very bright idea, to actually call me to tell, tell me they had possession of my car. In evidence. And as funny as this sounds, the Hartford police up here in Connecticut still think that my car is stolen. And I can't seem to convince them otherwise, so there's that. As if that weren't enough, right after my car was stolen, I became really sick with some sort of stomach ailment. Dr. Mack, you remember this. Yeah. I couldn't keep any food or water down. I had a slight fever. I won't mention the diarrhea. I was tossing and turning in my sleep. I was, it was horrible. That's the reason why we haven't been on the air for a little while. We are usually on every two weeks. But I'm very happy to have made it through that illness. But let me tell you, my friends, when your stomach isn't working properly, it really screws you up. Because not only are you experiencing abdominal pain, but you can't get the nutrients you need from food to be strong. So you're sick. And you're weak from not eating. So for something like nine days, I felt like I was dying, but it gave me lots of time to think. I took out a life insurance policy. Yeah, it was a smart thing. And the thought came to me, maybe the universe is telling me something. Maybe there are things I need to give up on. Maybe I need to think about giving up. Now, I don't talk about giving up a lot on this show because, quite frankly, I don't believe in giving up on anything. Giving up has been a foreign concept to me most of my life. This is part of the reason why people like me get trapped up in lifelong crusades like the Jamal Show. We just don't know when to stop. People like myself, we believe that the only way we can fail is by giving up. For as long as I can remember, I've equated the idea of giving up with quitting. Giving up on anything has always meant the same thing as quitting to me. So you would never see me in a hospice, even when I'm about to die. To me, that's always been like, Quitting on your life. That's why I didn't understand my mother when she voluntarily went to hospice during the final stages of a brain, brain cancer. And this is what I thought about when I heard that former President Jimmy Carter recently went to hospice. It's funny how time flies. Jimmy Carter was president when I was born. And I, I've always heard that getting old is sort of like uh, you're reminded that you're getting old because little pieces of your childhood die. And that's what I felt when I heard about Jimmy Carter. God bless his soul, what a great man he is. Now, I'm learning that giving up is not quitting. Giving up is adapting. Giving up is transitioning. Giving up may help you succeed, in fact. It is important to know when it's time for you to give up on one thing so that you can try something else. 
Jimmy Carter didn't go into hospice because he was giving up on life. He went into hospice because that was the best of all of his bad options. For both him and my own mother, going into hospice was a representation of them living the best life that they could at the time. In my own situation, my car was stolen and I couldn't help that. But I wasn't completely helpless in the story. I'd be lying to you if I told you that. The fact is that my car was stolen with an unused anti-theft device inside of it. I had a club in the trunk that I could have used, but I didn't. So I ultimately had control over whether my car was stolen that day. If I had used my anti-theft device that was in the car at the time, I could have prevented myself heartache. So right off the bat, I may need to give up being careless. I'm very careless. Now, my dad told me to go easy on myself. Everybody gets careless from time to time, he said. But not having a car caused trouble in my life. So I can't afford to let it happen again, at least not because of carelessness. And how about my health? Well, the truth is I have control over that too, at least to some extent. I never considered myself an alcoholic, but maybe I need to give up drinking, or maybe I need to give up meat. Mean I'm going to buy my own? No, don't, <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Or fried foods, or being a night owl, getting enough sleep, they say. In this context, giving up is not taking a step back. It's taking a step forward. I'm not just giving up. I'm making room for something else. I'm making room for other things. Because the overall theme is that life goes on until it doesn't. And now that I've finally matured enough to understand this, I'm always asking myself, what do I need to give up to move forward in my life? Not only what do I need to learn, but what do I need to unlearn? And knowing when to give up is important, too, because if you don't know when to give up, you may end up like this other guy, no stand-up comedian Trump. How'd you like that transition? <laughs> Dr. Mack, my new name is the master of transitions. I heard I that. bring up Trump. I heard that. Cause he's, a, he's, a, he's about to get his ass indicted in the yeah. great state of Georgia for attempting to tamper with their elections. Now, you might be wondering what I'm talking about, so let me remind you. Does anybody remember this? I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have, because we won the state. Now, wait, 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 but he says that was a perfect phone call. Right, right. Well, what's perfect was his memory on how many votes he needed, because he had it right down, right? He, he was like, down. no, no, 11,000, right. uh, 0.5, sir, right, right, right. 0.5. Well, that was released over two years ago. Now, two years later, we finally have a prosecutor who's not giving up on indicting the former president and stand-up comedian. You may be wondering how I know that, Dr. Mack. Ask me how I know that he's going to get indicted. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because a little girl told me, not uh, that it matters, but she was white. She was also the lead grand juror who investigated Trump in Georgia. Her name is Emily Kors. She basically told all of us that Trump would likely be indicted in several <coughs> interviews. She said possibly by summer. Do you believe her, Mac? Yo, most definitely. I mean, in Georgia, the law allows uh, these people to... Uh, to, to speak on this, as long as they don't talk about the deliberations. Right. So this kind of, act, as you were saying, this kind of activity would normally be very illegal in any other circumstances where there's a grand jury. You know, grand juries are usually prohibited from talking to the press. But this is Georgia, and in Georgia, that's how they get down with their grand juries. And it's totally legal. They let their grand jurors gossip and drop the tea after the hearings, Kind of strange to a lawyer like myself, but who doesn't like good entertainment? Now, by the way, in other news, uh, we've been hearing about Trump getting indicted for a long time, so 
hopefully this summer we'll have some action, right? But in other news, we found out that about 48 hours ago that Alex Murdoch has been convicted of murdering his wife and child. And I got to admit, I had totally no interest in this case other than my belief that this guy might have been, been, been railroaded. Railroaded? What do you think, man? Uh, well, I believe this is an indictment on the justice system as a whole. Why? Because no one family should have that much power over any part of the justice system and have a monopoly over it in, on, in any uh, city, so, town, or state. So, ladies and gentlemen, for he those did, that don't recognize the voice. He did rule the county. He, he did rule the county. This is my good friend James, who's uh, visiting. He will be st- sitting in with us. He, we call him James from St. Louis. So, if you notice a St. Louis accent, you better know it's real, baby. Now, I didn't really pay attention to this case, but I did think that the prosecution um, expression of a motive, they said basically this guy was a fraud. He was about to get audited. He was about to get thrown in jail for cheating on his clients and lying to everybody. So he killed his child and wife, which doesn't make much sense to me. They, they, they had to have something on him because all these white people convicted him. So they had to have something on him. But killing your wife and child never made things better in the financial world to me. Jamal, but there were two other important things that have happened uh, besides this, this, this dude and, and, and this wife thing. I mean, this, this is like petty gossip. I mean, convicting him, the world doesn't change. Right, I mean, right. The only thing, if you want to make anything of it, it was that the judge was black and then pronounced his uh, sentence and things like that. The other two important things, and you, you know, is the, uh, the Supreme Court race in the state of Wisconsin. The fact that the Republicans won that. I mean, this is a state uh, that is controlled by gerrymandering, and now the Republicans control everything in Wisconsin. There's no chance for the Democrats ever. Well, everyone knows that the way they operate is they choose their voters, right? Right. That's what gerrymandering is all about. Now, back on what James was saying about the Murdoch thing, you know, this can really only happen in a small town where there's a guy who's the head of a law firm, his cousin is like the solicitor general. His other cousin's like the judge that makes all the rules. His other cousin's like the state senator. You know, this is all family control. This kind of stuff happens in small towns where they control kind of everything. No one in this family can get indicted. His son gets drunk on a boat and kills like another uh, teenager and doesn't get in trouble at all. We have a call coming in, but we'll get to that. Um, you know, this is what James is talking about. He feels like this is corruption of the American system when this family is allowed to have this much power. All right. Am I correct? Well, definitely. And this is why, to me, this is why, if anything, if anything, this is why they had this playing on CNN and MSNBC and all the cable channels 24 hours a day because people saw a man actually taking a fall who was at the top, the top of 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 the town. You know, this guy... He was stealing money with impunity, and people didn't catch him for years. If that had been a black man in that firm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it would have been like, you know what I'm saying, Tyree Nichols. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They'd have pulled him out the car like Tyree Nichols, you know? But check this, check this out. This is what really surprises me. Being a, a, a criminal defense attorney in Connecticut, I see a lot of hard sentences being handed down. You know, I've dealt with kids who were given 75 years at 15 years old, who I won't name right now. Um... And to see him get convicted of killing two people and all that fraud and get 30 years, he got 30 years, right? 30 years of life. He got 30 years consecutively. So, therefore, 30 years for his son and 30 years for his wife. Now, I know people that have 75 years for one person, right? And it always seems like no matter how heinous the crime, 
that that inequality in the justice system must remain. It must remain. Like I'll give you a great example. The all the times we see terrorists like get arrested and they're like, Oh well, are you okay, sir? Hey, let's take him to McDonald's before we um bring him to the, <laughs> the question stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. But Tyree Nichols is like, get off the car, brother. <laughs> Man, you didn't get the car quick enough. Yeah, yeah. What was that you having hope? Let's kick the hope out of this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like the bro- <laughs> like, like like the white kid that uh, went and shot up all the people in the, uh, the, in, the in the church. Okay, they, we do have a call. They so took him to uh, McDonald's. Let, let's, let's catch. Let, let's, uh, hold on, I want to introduce him for a minute because here's here's an important thing. This is an important um um uh, commemoration. We are at the anniversary of the first year of the, um, of the Ukraine war that started on February 24, 2022. It isn't an American war, but it is an American war by proxy that must be won by the Ukrainians. Or else it may be an American war for real one day. And there's one guy in this world who should consider giving up on a useless pursuit. It is Vladimir Putin. Because the Ukrainian war is a useless pursuit, my friends. How do I know Putin can't be successful? Because nothing can be more useless than an attempt to force leadership upon a population that would rather die than follow you. And this is the clear intent that the Ukrainians have shown, to die rather than follow Putin. That's the right intent from my perspective. But my opinion is not the only one that matters. So I like to make room for someone else's opinion sometimes, every now and then. My friends, on the line we have Victor from the great state of Arizona. Victor is a veteran of war, and he has some pretty strong opinions, not only of war in general, but of this war in Ukraine. And I thought he should state them in public if he's not afraid to. So Vic from Arizona, are you on the line with me right now? Uh, yeah, I am. Yes, I am. Okay, Vic, let's start. Wait, first brother. I want to know, I got to know something about him. We got to know, what do you do for a living? And please tell me a little bit about your military background. Uh, for I uh, sell and install security systems. Um, I enjoy it. I have a lot of fun takes good care of me and I'm not getting shot at so that's always a good thing uh, my background is uh, I served in the US Marines I did four years active duty and I did one year in the reserves when I got out kind of helped me transition back to being a civilian I have served in combat and that was a long time ago all right. So, what has your military background? I'm going to let you get to them in a minute, Mac. Right. What has your military background taught you about war in general? And we're going to get more um, general after this and get into your views. But I want to start with the basics. I would say the biggest thing that my background taught me is that when we go to war, it's not for the reason that we were told or what we originally thought. Uh, I obviously I'm speaking from my own experiences. War, in my opinion, is not fair. It makes people do things that they would normally never even consider doing to another person. And it changes your humanity for the rest of your life. You, you, you can't go back and you can't go back and undo what was done. No, I, I agree. No I mean, you are. if you no look at almost you every war that America's life, been in, you can't undo uh, the lie was pe- 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 given against the people. I mean, uh, the, the, the Spanish War, you know, the blowing up of the Maine, the Maine blew up on its own. The Vietnam War, uh, you know, bad uh, Tonkin, you know, they, the Vietnamese didn't go after that, that uh, boat. 
you know, um, no, it goes on and on and on and on. But it, it's whatever. It's a motivator. Go ahead. I'm sorry, sir. Go ahead. Uh, and I also think, like I said, I, I think war. You know, when I look back at war, the the only the only ones that ever win, it's, it's never the people that win. It's only the war profiteers, the bankers, the politicians. They're the ones. They're the only ones who win. And they don't. Fight. Let me ask you on a personal note: Would you ever go to war again? Is there any war that you consider as righteous? Uh, if somebody was coming after my family, yeah, I, I guess that kind of goes without saying. Now, what, what All I, right, what so I let me ask you about specifics about the Ukrainian war in, in particular. Do you have any feelings um, about the Ukrainian war that's going on right now that you'd like to opine on? You know, there's only my feelings on the Ukrainian war is that I feel like there's more going on than what we're being told by the media and what we're being told by our government. I, I feel like we're being lied to. I feel like we've been lied to for every war, you know, that we've gone to. You know, I, I, I feel like there's more. I don't know. I'm not, gonna, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not going to say that I know what's going on. I just believe the official story is not true. Uh, let me ask you a question. Do you have any reasons or evidence to think that your government may be lying to you, other than the fact that they've lied many, many times in the past? I mean, anything That's that sticks it. out this yeah. particular I mean, time? If, you, if you've lied to me several times, I'm going to have a, you know, if, if if my girlfriend cheats on me, you know, 20 times, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time believing her even 5, 10 years later. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, I'm, so I'm, when I'm you've been lied you, to, um, but you've the, been lied to as much as we've been thing, lied to, when our government has been caught lying, America as much as they've been caught lying, uh, again, it makes it hard to say, all right, and, all right, um, I think, I you know, think I'll they have you guys about 97% of uh, their army tied up in this war, and we are bleeding them, okay? So now, and, and we have been lied uh, to over the, for, for decades, uh, telling us how strong Russia was, only to find out now how weak they are. I mean, so I mean, where did all the other magical stuff go to that made Russia so strong, other than the nuclear stuff? And should we re, uh, respect the fact that they have nuclear? Again, I'm, I'm not. I'm not here to like pick a side. I'm just saying I don't think. I don't think we know the whole truth. I, I think there's more going on. I'm not even going to say. I'm not going to speculate that I know what it is. I just know that if I look back at all the, the wars, if I look at everything that I've learned or been taught by my media and my government, it's pretty much been a lie. Okay, so finally, Vic, everyone who comes to the show gets to say their message to the world. Um, first, So I'm going to ask you, do you have a message for the world on the Jamal Show today? And do you have any contact information, just in case somebody wants to shoot you an email or something like that? Why don't you give it to us? Uh, if somebody wants to shoot me an email, my email address is uh, fitness1s, F-I-T-N-E-S-S, the number one S at yahoo.com. Somebody wants to email me. Um, and I would say my message to the world is, you know, I've, I, I, I obviously speak from my own experience. And, you know, I, I know that I know that everybody has their own perspective, and that's fine. You know, my, mine's based on my, my own experience. I truly think war is not fair. I truly think that it's inhumane. I truly think that almost every war I can think of was fought over a lie, and it's more about money and war profiteering rather than.
fighting for freedom and democracy, which is why I enlisted, because that's what I thought it was. And I realized that it wasn't. So, you know, that's I, I've always been very passionate about that feeling of war. And, you know, I know you like to say that, that I like Donald Trump, and I don't. I, I think he's a scumbag, personally. But if I had to say one good thing about him, he's the only president we had in 39 years who didn't start a new war. And he didn't end the wars, but he's the first one that didn't actually go out and create new ones. And, you know, I look at that and I'm like, well, gosh, I guess I have to, I guess I have to say that's at least a start, you know. That's at least something good. Well, Vic, we're running out of time now. I really appreciate you being on. Um, no problem. A lot of people would, would think, oh, go ahead and let him go. I'm going to talk to you later, Vic. Um, a lot of people okay. would um, think that I differ from Vic, but let me just tell you, what he said is the reason why I told my son not to go in the military. And what he said is the reason why my father told me not to go in the military. So I don't, dis- I don't discount what he says, but I do support the Ukraine war. But I do also support this show, and that means I have to get on with the official introduction. Welcome to Saturday, my friends. The very next day of your life, this is the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent, live and on your favorite podcasting network. The name is Jamal. I am an information junkie from Harlem, and I'm passing the fruits of my illness on to you. Then you can pass it on to your loved ones, and at the end, everyone will be a little bit smarter and extremely lonely. As for me, I'm your listener guide, mostly along for the ride. Make sure you don't get too high, coming straight through the... Hartford Studios of WKND, and I'm doing that live just to make my haters work harder and realize their own potential because I love everybody. Time to say hello to my friends here in the station. Uh, I think I should start with the Archbishop, and I think I should do it the right way this time. Hello, Archbishop. (laughs) Okay. You will be syndicating the Jamal Show on your very own radio station called CLM. Excuse me. Sorry for that. I'm just I'm new here. Um, you're syndicating the Jamal Show on your very own radio station called CLM Urban Music Radio. Is that is that correct? So we are very happy with that. Also, a very big hello to my very good friend when he chooses to wear deodorant, Doctor Alfonso Mack. How you doing, Alfonso? I'm good. I'm good. I had to get something to drink. All right, good. You got me something too, so that helped. You're gonna be returning next week. And also, we got some new blood in here. My good friend James from St. Louis. He's a friend who is visiting us in the studio today. Say hello, James, please. Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah, All right. Some Midwestern thinking in here. Man. That's right. Yeah, so you yeah. know that the accent is real. St. Louis style. Moving on, it's been a whole bump since you last heard my voice. So first of all, you're welcome. Everybody deserves a break sometimes. I think you had it coming. The last time I was on air, the theme was punishment, and by the time I'm done talking, you will swear that this one was all about punishment as well. All of this stuff is all over the internet. If you want to find it one day, I think you should. Today, I'm talking about giving up. This is a task at which I am not experienced or an expert, but it is a task that we should all get more comfortable with because the most limitless power you possess is the power to let go of a person, of a thought, or anything else. To make it clearer, I'll use giving up in a sentence. Here we go. WKND has given up on finding any value to the Jamal Show. That's why the owner doesn't let me speak on behalf of the station, because he'd like to stay in business. And he may be stupid, but he's a smart guy. Remember I said that. He said that, not me. (laughs) If you want to call in, you can. Just call 860-218-2173, just like Vic from Arizona did. I repeat, 860-218-2173. 860-218-2173. I can't promise you I'll make you feel good like feeding the homeless. So maybe you should just do both. Okay, folks, if you're still with us, then you definitely have earned a break. 
with some great independent music. When we come back, we're going to talk about Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, and his recent bout with that terrible illness, racism. And then you're going to hear me tell you why Joe Biden is the man again, like I've done like every episode. Please stay with us. For music today, we begin with a guy named Mark L33. The song is called One of a Kind. of this show. That's what this show is all about. And we hope you believe in the message as much as we do, which is why we're hoping that you'll take this opportunity to support us through coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com backslash the Jamal show. Please join us there. Consider buying us a coffee. We need the caffeine to keep this show running and to keep telling the truth, quite honestly. So why don't you join us and we'll give you a nice shout out on the next broadcast. Join us at coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com backslash the Jamal show. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us. Thank you very much. What's up? I'm back again, just where I'm not wanted, like stand-up comedian Trump. 
That last independent music selection was entitled One of a Kind by Mark L33. And that song is being released for sale today on Apple Music and everywhere else where you can buy music. Check them out online. And by the way, this is Christian rap. I think there's a large market open for Christian rap. I think uh, it might get bigger in the future. Let's see. Moving on, I wanted to talk to you folks a little bit about Dilbert. For those who live under a rock, Dilbert is a newspaper comic that has had a huge following all over the world. The strip is about a guy named Dilbert who works in a stereotypical office with cubicles and all the other things that make a job dehumanizing. You know, the boss that's dumber than you, but he makes way more money. The boss takes credit for all of your ideas. There's a guy in the office that gets paid for not doing any work. Some, for some reason, there's a dog with an executive role in the company, etc. I got into this comic strip as I was entering the workforce myself in the 90s, and it really spoke to what I was experiencing as a new worker. I collected the Dilbert books, the t-shirts. I even watched the short-lived Dilbert TV show. I've always thought that the Dilbert comic strip was one of the best ever created, and the story behind its creator, Scott Adams, was pretty inspiring as well. He was a middle-class corporate worker guy who stayed up every night after work to create a comic strip that he never knew would catch on. And then it did catch on. And then Scott Adams became wealthy. So it should come as no surprise to you that as an early fan of Scott Adams, I picked up one of his nonfiction books a few years ago. It was a motivational book. I think it was titled Fail at Everything and Still Win Big. It was a stupid title, but I picked it up. And I started listening to it with excitement as a fan would. But I soon noticed something strange about the tone of the book. The man whose work I had admired for years, Scott Adams, started complaining in his book about how oppressed he was as a white man. He mentioned in the book that he felt that he had no future in a diverse workforce because he was white. And he felt that all the minorities at his previous job were promoted ahead of him, not because of skill, but because of their color. Definitely not because of their skill. He didn't mention that. So sure, everybody has their opinion, right? But the problem was that his opinion in that book was opposite from what I learned in my own life experience. Because in the world I live in, Mac, white men are pretty much the CEOs of all the corporations around. Well, if they're not white males, they're definitely white females. There are more white females owning companies than there are white males. Well, but in the Fortune 500, put a a bulletin board of every Fortune 500 company on the wall and throw a dart at it. And ask me, who's the CEO of that company? Is it James from St. Louis? Or is it uh, John Whiteman? (laughs) <laughs> from Connecticut, most likely. Um, you know, it's hard. For me, it's hard for me to make that argument, but I will say this: I mean, from um, I don't know, there's been such gains made. All right. I okay. Mean, it's been it's been hard. It's been slow. It's been meritorious. Okay. But uh, the gains have been made. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't well, dispute you just that. Just hold up a picture of Betty White. <laughs> <laughs> So I returned this guy's book, Scott Adams, to the retailer to trade for one that didn't offend my values. And that's when I noticed strange things Scott Adams is doing in public. Seemed like a bunch of publicity stunts with racial overtones aimed at trolling people. He started doing weird stuff like writing Donald Trump-themed Dilbert books and calling himself a black person to try and ally himself with black people. But my friends, nothing tops what he did recently, and this hasn't been in the news much. But it looks like Scott Adams has decided to ditch his career in favor of dementia. Please listen to this clip, Mac, and uh, then tell me what you think, all right? All right, go ahead. Here we go. 
This morning, hundreds of newspapers are stripping their pages of the widely syndicated comic Dilbert after this live stream by its creator, Scott Adams. If, if you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, according to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. That's a hate group. Adams referencing a recent poll during his YouTube show Wednesday and taking aim at black Americans who disagreed with the statement, it's okay to be white, a hate slogan used by white supremacists, according to the Anti-Defamation League. The best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. His rant igniting furor on social media. The once popular comic now dropped by a growing number of publications, including the New York Times and the Washington Post, denouncing his comments as racist and promoting segregation. My reputation for the rest of my life is destroyed. What about After a that? barrage of tweets and multiple live streams since the incident, Adams doubling down on his comments again on Sunday. Including the cancellations, this was all predictable. And I knew it when I said it, and I was okay with it. The 65-year-old says the media took his words out of context, and he was only advising people to avoid hate. Just Despite his highly successful comic that briefly reached TV screens, Adams has been no stranger to controversy. Months ago, the San Francisco Chronicle reported it stopped carrying Dilbert after his work made fun of reparations for African Americans. Okay, let me take the first swing. Um... His advice was for white people to stay away from black people. According to my life experience and what I've seen, they're doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyone ever heard of um, um, black people living with black people and white people living with white people? Isn't that what happens? Redlining. Um, white, white flight. flight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't make a white flight. I believe that term came into being before I was born. Jinx. <laughs> they're already, aren't they already doing that? Weren't they doing I mean, we're sitting with a guy who had to be escorted into school. Yeah. By by police officers right. because because of uh, segregation. Right, right. But um, I don't know, guys. Uh, there, there are. I don't, I don't know what to say about this. One, I'm not in favor of shutting him up. Okay, I would like for him to continue so that we can fight and expose what he's saying. I mean, as long as it's silent, we can't fight it. All right. Um, a silent racist does more harm than one that's vocal, all right? So let me know you're racist, and I can deal with this. And th there are some whites that think about this, and they hear, he said that it's okay to be white, basically. What's wrong with that? Nothing and so, wrong with so that. So what a lot of people There's say, nothing wrong but with what that. a lot of people don't understand is that it's okay to be white is actually a trope. It's a white supremacist trope put out by people who are trying to troll the idea of being a, of a diverse So you have to define population. What, is, what is meant by what. Right, and what is meant to be what, a, by okay. What is, what, is, what is meant by okay, too, right? See, it's it's a troll question. It was put out by Rasmussen, which is kind of this, um, it's, a, it's a highly discredited poll, which kind of leans conservative, and they ask a lot of troll questions, like, do you think it's okay to be white, in order to get responses like this. So the numbers are skewed. Right, well... It's meant to be like, like it's sort of like if a polling guy went into a black community and said, hey, do you think all black people are on welfare? Like, it's a troll question. It's not a question meant to get any real fact from it so that he could use it to analyze anything. And what he did was, he knew this. He actually spoke about this. He said, okay, I know, I know the Rasmussen poll isn't that credible. credible. In fact, the, the guy who started the Rasmussen actually left it last year. Um, 
But he still used it, and he's a very loud voice on the internet. Like, he's followed by millions of people all over the world because of the success of his comic strip. His comic strip is one of the most successful since Charlie Brown. What, Dilbert? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back in your days, Charlie Brown was the was the biggest thing ever, right? Nah, Snoopy nah. was the first um, nah, the Mickey one, Mouse. The one uh, I, I like, well, I'll name it. It was um, Al Cap with uh, uh, Andy Cap, yeah, Andy Cap. You know, yeah, my mother used I mean, to like that. Kickaboo Joy Juice and Daisy May and Lil Abner. I mean, that that was that was on time. And you know what? Um, it kind of made me glad I returned this book. But since these unfortunate statements were made, he's doubled down. He apparently doesn't mind losing his income to carry his warped messages. What I call this is self-destruction for no reason. Maybe he should start hanging out with Kanye West. <laughs> so they both can study a meaningless existence together. Both. You know, what you're going to see is a rallying. Watch the rally. Watch. I don't know, but I can tell you who doesn't have mental illness, and this is a debate between us. That's Joe Biden. And I'm bringing him up. Wait, wait, let me give him what he deserves. I call him Uncle Joe Biden. Thank you. Thank you. This one is for the student loan forgiveness that he's trying to do. So that's for you, Joe. Um, he's about to run for your election. Let me ask you a question, Mac. Why shouldn't he run? Why shouldn't he run? When you put that question out to the universe, why shouldn't Joe Biden run? You get an answer. Age. He's too old is what people will tell you. And I won't lie. Joe Biden is definitely a senior citizen, if nothing else. But the man has not shown any deficiencies in his job. In fact, the opposite is true. Well, okay. I mean, okay. Oh, man, where do you start? He was just diagnosed with basal cell carcinoma, all right, taken, taken off his chest last week. And, um, and he just did something to Washington, D.C., which I'm unhappy about. But, What's that? Uh, huh? What's that? Oh, well, he just, uh, well, Washington, D.C. used to be able to write their own laws and rules, and, and Joe Biden um, vetoed a uh, movement uh, that oh, that's the right. Power to, to decriminalize something. Right. To, um, you know, so I got. I. I. I have to, it hasn't finished yet. All right, but he came down a little bit on the side where I said, "No, nah, Joe, I'm not with you on this one." I mean, yes, that you can pick. You can pick at that, but the real problem with DC is that it's not a state. Yes, that's the real. The real problem with both DC and Puerto Rico. Is that they're not states? Wait a minute, they're different entities. All right. Oh, DC. one's a commonwealth. Right, one's a commonwealth. Um, DC was set aside as a district for governing for the national government, and that's why it's not a, a state. But now, since then, it's become fully populated with people who deserve representation, with people who pay taxes. They get taxation without representation, which is supposed to be unconstitutional. But you know what? DC is also black, and it's Puerto Rico is also colored. And so they're having some issues. Republicans. Did he say vote. colored? No. I want to bring back the word colored. Did he say colored? <laughs> so, so, he ain't with me. <laughs> I guess the cat's out of the bag. I've been trying for years to bring back the word colored because I think it's cool. <laughs> Just like Negro. I love those words. Okay. Anyway, old school words are great. Colored Negro, all good for me. So we got two, two places that should be states, should have been states years ago. If they were states, then Joe Biden would have no say in what happens in D.C. politics. And what he should do is, is lobby to help D.C. become a state. He's mentioned it many times before. The D.C. mayor has talked about it. Um, we saw what happened in Puerto Rico when he got hit with a big uh, hurricane and they didn't get the support they were supposed to. They got paper towels thrown at them by stand-up comedian Trump on his uh, comedy tour. Um, so 
That's the real problem. I mean, yeah, you can nitpick at things that Joe Biden does. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sure I have to. Uh, the, the crime bill is what people usually bring up when he was a senator. You know, then I remind people that the Black Caucus um, actually supported the crime bill, along with the president, Bill Clinton, um, Hillary Clinton. Everyone did. No one knew that it was going to have the effects that it did in the long run. You know what I'm saying? All right. Okay. So... Quite frankly, let me just go on my list. Joe Biden has been one of the most accomplished presidents in history if you look at his legislative wins. He passed the infrastructure bill that every president has been trying to pass for decades. He signed the American Rescue Plan during COVID, and Americans didn't have to go bankrupt from not working. In fact, most people I know that were poor got excessive money. Excessive. Excessive money. He has created more jobs in a two-year span than any president in history. He's also lifted more children out of poverty than any president in history. He's even trying his best to forgive some student loan money, which I'm for, obviously, but, you know, we have some people who paid off their student loans. I paid mine off. Who believe that this should go through Congress. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, should, should go. You're talking about a half a trillion dollars. All right, now, one man should not control a half a trillion dollars. And, uh, and, and. It, 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 I mean, that's why we have a Congress, to debate this. And uh, so... Yeah. I mean, but you only have a Congress as split as this. Something like student loan forgiveness can't have come through because now we have Republicans that vote against them just to vote against them. Just, just for the... And that's so. why they should do that as Republicans so that we can vote them out. But I think it should be a congressional thing to walk away from half a trillion dollars. Now, specifically on black people... Joe Biden um, um, increased the student loan forgiveness, $10,000, for p- people who have Pell Grants. If you look into Pell Grants, you'll find that mostly black people have them from inner cities. Not only that, but um, Joe Biden has even changed the Democratic primary map so that black people have more of a voice in the primaries. You know what I'm saying? I believe, I believe like South Carolina is up in the, in the first three now. So... The, when you look at the Republican Party, it gives black people less of a voice. The, the Democratic Party is trying to give black people more of a wait, voice. Wait, wait, wait. How say, can you hate Joe Biden is my thing. How wait, can wait, any wait, black wait. man... You're saying that South Carolina moved up to number three in the primary, right? I believe so. Right, right. I agree. Okay. And that was so that, uh, you know, because Joe almost didn't make it to South Carolina. Yeah, I mean... It was South Carolina that saved the right, saved right. James Clyburn. Air, That's right? right. James Clyburn was the kingmaker. Right. All right. And, I mean, you know, so... We had to stop. Uh, yeah, but before Joe Biden even got into office, people were complaining, saying that the first four or five states were all white. <laughs> you know, what, New uh, Iowa, New Hampshire. Find a black person in Iowa, please, and I'll sit here and wait. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like New, New Hampshire, Hampshire yeah. Maine. I mean, so this was equitable because the very basis of the Democratic Party at this point in time is black people. Joe Biden got elected because of black women. That's it, clear. Uh, educated black women, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is why he made the promise he did. It was a ballsy promise. Hey, I'm going to make a black woman Supreme Court justice. I mean, that was ballsy. He got hit for that. They were like, why would you say that before you even look at the candidates? Why would you say that? Uh, that's discriminatory. He's, He's still so- not with me, okay? <laughs> Joe Biden said, you ain't black if you ain't vote for Joe Biden. So as a, Yeah, he actually said that. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of agreed with him. I was like, well, I mean, the man is kind of like Giving us a black female vice president. I mean, you got to give the man some credit. And I, what I see is no one wanting to give him credit for these ballsy things that he's done. Yeah. He actually went up and said, I'm going to 
I think I'm going to legalize marijuana. I think I'm going to legalize marijuana. And and the response the people give to him is, oh, you're old. Old people don't legalize marijuana. That's a young man. You know what I'm saying? Maybe Obama was old. Maybe Obama was too old because he's the one that should have done it. Marijuana should have been legalized years ago. You know how many people suffered? How many black people, black families were ripped apart from marijuana? Think about that. Yeah. Joe Biden has paid more attention to black people than any other president in history, including Obama. Including Obama. My friends, Joe Biden has had the balls to promise us a black Supreme Court justice on the campaign trail. He caught hell for that. Did that stop him? No. He delivered. He named the first black female vice president. Much to my dismay, because I'm not a big fan of Kamala Harris. I'm sorry. But he promised a black female VP, and Joe Biden delivered. Look, I have no idea why the polls for Joe Biden have been low. But I think that says more about the polls than it does about our president. The polls may be broken, but I assure you that Joe Biden is not. He is the embodiment of experience. He is exactly what we need at this time of uncertainty in the world. Not to mention that we already know he can beat Trump's ass. The last time he beat Trump's ass, the Republican Party was so butthurt that they ran around telling everybody that the election was stolen. You see how far that went. So sure, I can see why Republicans hate Joe Biden. Of course they do, because he's always beating them. Then when they make ageist jokes about Joe Biden as if their party doesn't contain the oldest people in politics, the Republican Party contains the oldest people in politics. And they're making fun of Joe Biden's age. How about this? Joe Biden said, I just said this, he wants to legalize marijuana. Finally, that would have an enormous positive effect on the black community because nothing inspires more police interaction than marijuana. Why didn't Obama legalize marijuana federally? Maybe he was too old, like I just said. Anyway, I think you get the point. The Jamal show unequivocally, unequivocally excuse me, supports Joe Biden for as long as he wants to run. But now we have to move on. We need to give our hostages a break. And after that break, I need to talk to my good friend Jimmy a little bit and see what's on his mind. We're coming to you, Jimmy. He's going to do his bi-weekly book review. And I hear this time he's got something a little different for us. us. I'm eager to hear what he has to say. You should be eager too. But until then, this is the music lesson by Seeds of Labor.
because it makes me feel whole like a man with the mic in hand i can do amazing feats so catch me on the rebound quick to flip a trick with the adverb and pronoun structure them together to form a coherent series of events that you haven't heard since history was written back in the beginning in an african village all blacks were living but then came the dutch then came the english then came the portuguese who brought disease chains and slave ships leg irons and whips bibles whiskey tobacco and fire sticks gave him to the zulus gave him to the dinkas finished up the tricks then they loaded up the ships 100 million souls that got stole but they weren't done yet they had to have the whole continent so next they sent the royal army and the navy from the queen's government to lie to the people you're not created equal we'll beat them in a gunfight and tell them god is white then they'll all believe it and then we'll all achieve this world supremacy just buries after me as america began its reconstruction the ex-slave now a freedman in a land of peace looked around and tried to find his place in society he found it difficult to be a contributing part of american life. my father was a hustler now his son is one to bust the flood arms to make the girls want to cluster and brothers on the corner getting wild like a dead eye they must have been listening to the guy with the red eye smoking like a chimney i keep the spirits friendly and you can hear it in me as the rap brothers clap like chlamydia now jock and media they be the first to get rid of you soon as they get sick of you i guess that it's the nature of the beast to just fleece the artiste like a flock of sheep no kind of grief but at least i got my peeps a pad with some loose leaves so i can release my stress piece by piece my rage is similar to that of Forrest Whitaker With a clip in Harlem, right on the perimeter One of many ghettos you might know With the lasso for every afro Plus the cops are assholes The way the calves go past Remind me of the flask and they don't stop Even if a black man has the cash The upper class barrier gets complex like the Harrier You wonder why the ghetto looks like Africa At the same time, Attica So there's no question where I get the hints of oppression That adds to my music lesson Your mind rise from the power of suggestion Plus a hint of aggression that adds to my music lesson Hello again, my friends. Life is for the living here at the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent. That last piece of music you heard is called The Music Lesson. That song is by a golden age hip-hop group called Seeds of Labor, and you can find them everywhere you stream your music. That is my word. Also, important that I send a shout-out to the people of East Palestine, Ohio. That is where that awful train derailment occurred, spilling toxic chemicals all over the town. I know that those people out there are scared. They have a great deal to worry about, and they certainly don't want to be treated like black people, which is why they are being so loud right now. So I'm praying for that town to recover and get all the support they need from the train company and also local, state, and federal authorities. There needs to be an all-hands-on-deck um, approach to mitigate this disaster. Not that, um, not, not without a, with that out of the way, it's time to move on to my friends. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But in my opinion, those people need to sell. Let let the train come. The properties are down. Uh, huh? The, the property values are down now. They got to wait till the, the cleanup happens. If, wait, wait, wait. In the who's going to buy? Who's going to buy? The train. Are you in the, the market? Train, the train company. The oh, train company. Make oh, the train. Make them buy all the land? Make them buy the land and move out of there. Okay? They've got kids. Uh, this stuff is no joke. And but they, the train company in the state says that everything's, that the water's good and that, and that there's no long-lasting effects. Did he say that? 
Did he say that? He said sorry. But no, yeah. Jimmy, man, come on in here. Jimmy, come on in here, Jimmy. So I'm talking about Jimmy. Okay, so let me let me move on to Jimmy. I've known Jimmy for about 30 years, and he's a special type of guy, if you know what I mean. If you ever meet a guy who talks and then keeps talking about stuff you never asked him, and then later on you find out that stuff he was talking about was really helpful to your situation, then you've probably met Jimmy. He's that bittered man sitting on top of a mountain in Africa. And if you've met Jimmy, you would also know that he really likes a good book. And you'll know when he reads a good book because then he's going to tell you all about it. You can't stop that from happening. And then all of a sudden you're going to want to read that same book. That's how it always works. I can't tell you how many people have emailed me to tell me how much they like this segment. So my friends, once again, it is time to bring you Jimmy's with books. Whoops, wrong one. Sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, are you there? Jim. Yes, I'm here, man. How are you? My friend, my friend, I'm doing well now that you're online. Why don't you tell me what you got for us? All right, what I got for you today is uh, it's actually not a book. It's an article that I read. Um, I read it in the New York Times. You could look this guy up. He's all over the Internet. His name is Ken Rideout, which is R-I-D-E-O-U-T. Uh, Ken Rideout is a 51-year-old guy, and he's the champion of the f- over-50 New York City Marathon, Boston Marathon, London Marathon, and he's getting ready to run the Tokyo Marathon. And the thing that's really interesting about him and how it ties into today's topic is uh, he grew up in a broken home. His father and brother were both incarcerated. So he became, a, at a, as a teenager, his first job was to be a, a CO in the jail where his father and brother were. He then went from that, went, put himself through school, wound up on Wall Street, working on Wall Street, doing very well. But he had what he calls um, imposter syndrome. So it kind of led him into doing opioids. He became addicted to opioids, right? He was addicted hard. Now, in his mid-30s, he stopped doing opioids, and he started running. He had not run before that. He had been doing, he had played football and a couple of little sports in high school, but he was not a big sports guy, and he was in his mid-30s. He just started running just to do something other than doing opioids. And then he didn't actually start running marathons until his 40s. But now at age 51, he's a world champion. And the thing is, he's gotten better. His marathon time has decreased every single year for the past 15 years. And what I really got out of this, reading about him and um, reading his philosophy is, he's an extremist. So the thing that led him to being an opioid addict was being extreme, you know, was being having a lot of energy, a lot of mental energy that needed a place to, to be put. And so once the opioids, he had to put that energy somewhere else. So he decided running at a time when most people would think that your running career would be over. And as a result of that, he's just gotten better and better and better, and he plans to keep running. That uh, This uh, relates to the topic, and it does, it does. This is an example of when someone had to change path. He gave something up in order to choose a new course. And uh, you yeah. mentioned this to me on the phone the other day, that when you're giving up something, it's helpful to have something else to, to, to focus your attention on, right? Yeah. Especially like, okay, I gave up drinking 14 years ago. It's actually the 4th of March today, right? Is it the 4th? Okay, whichever way it is. Either way. 
Um, so I quit drinking a, a while ago, 14 years ago, and I found um, capoeira. I do martial arts. And that it's, it's, it's as big as what drinking was. You have to find something to replace what you're giving up, something that is as all-encompassing. If not, your chances of sliding back are tremendous. So if you want to make a pivot in life, if you want to change, especially a bad habit, but it could be the same could happen for like a breakup or like a divorce or some kind of moving to a new city, any kind of major upheaval in your life, you have to throw yourself into something that could take all your passion, all your interests, and redirect it. It is very helpful. No, I, I agree with you um, totally. Uh, I don't know. Uh, personally, you know, if you, you know, my, my big thing was trying to uh, – find a deeper meaning in Jesus Christ uh, that yeah. uh, the, there's so many different avenues and, 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 and ways to come at it. Um, you know, you have the words of the apostles and things of this nature, you know, and, you know, and, and trying to understand the Bible in different ways. Uh, that's been uh, the way I've done it. It's funny because, um, you know, it's funny because I visit people in prison a, a lot and the people that have a, a big problem in prison are the people who haven't found that, that thing that takes their mind yeah. away. I went to visit a guy who murdered somebody uh, a couple months ago. And it's funny because you would never think a murderer would say this, but he was telling me about how he joined the ministry in prison, how it was really helping his life. Like, he found purpose in it. And I was like, my answer to him was keep doing that. Whatever it is, you know, that keeps you from the hell of today that keeps you from feeling the fire today, keep doing that. You know what I'm saying? Because you are going to do 25 years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I agree with you, Jimmy. Jimmy, why don't you um, tell, uh, tell people some contact information for you before we get off so that they can reach out to you if they, if they so feel the need. Okay. If you're into working out, um, you can work out on Zoom. I have a workout uh, practice, Fitness. That's James, J-A-M-E-S. M-U-W-O-N-G-E dot fitness at gmail.com. Hit me up there, um, and we'll get together, and you can make a big difference in your life, no matter where you are. If you're interested in changing the way your body is, and you're interested in changing your shape, and you're interested in revitalizing yourself health-wise, hit me up at jameswawongi.fitness at gmail.com. And if, just in case you forget that address, hit up the Jamal Show, and they'll direct you to me. Correct. We're going to let you go, Jimmy. I'll be talking to you later. Um, we have come to near the end of our show. James, do you have any message for the world before we head out of here? Love and peace is my message. If you are an old-school hip-hop fan, stream uh, De La Soul, De La Soul's entire music category uh, catalog, hit uh, all the streaming services two days ago. They fought for this for like 30 years. So go out and stream some De La Soul. Really, really quick, shout out to True Goy the Dove, who passed away a couple of weeks ago from De La Soul, one of my favorite groups of all times, one of my favorite groups of all time. Um, but we have two James in the studio today, so I want James uh, from St. Louis to send his message to the world before we leave out today. All right, yeah, uh, I just want to say what's up to everybody. Uh, it's my last day in Connecticut, so I've had a great time, man. Uh, I love this, I love this uh, city of Hartford. Uh, I want to thank my brother Jamal for everything he's done since I've been here. And uh, we out. Much love to everybody. Uh, All right. No, no, no. I think we had a uh, 
a good show today, and yeah. um, unfortunately, you know. we're gonna have you back. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing oh, some, yeah. I'm bringing some heavyweight with me next time I come. Too, Every man. week we run out of you time, know, and this he, week he is did no say colored though, didn't he? Quick, <laughs> quick shout out to my friends Denise Wonderler, my son JD Wright, Joe Duncan, my sweetheart Deborah Abram, the Archbishop Dr. Alfonso Mack, my dad. Dr. Carson Wright, my favorite client, Michael Ray of Cool in the Gang. Michael Ray, Michael Ray, you're my man. And also everybody else, James Farley included. You guys are good people. We pray for your continued support. But most of all, we love our listeners, all 13 of them, perhaps 14 now. My friends, without the listener, we would have nobody to talk to, and that would be sad indeed. So please take care of yourself in the next two weeks and try to take care of someone else too. See you in two weeks. Never in a million years did I ever expect my healthy daughter, Vienna, to fall asleep watching TV and tragically never wake up. She was only two years old, and this happened at our home in Homedale, New Jersey, in 2017. Her death was categorized as SUDC, Sudden Unexplained Death in Childhood. Essentially, this is SIDS, but in kids 1 to 18 years old. Never heard of SUDC? Well, neither did my husband and I, and we are both physicians. Please visit www.vienna.team to learn more about our sweet daughter, Vienna's story, our family's 501c3 nonprofit, Team Vienna for SUDC Awareness, and how you can get involved to help uncover these unexplained tragedies with us. As a team, I know we can get this done. Thank you so much for your support. I'm Vienna's mommy, Dr. Denise Wunderler, founder of Team Vienna and co-founder of the SUDC Coalition. Thank you so much. You're listening to 97.5 FM, The Power.